And today we're in part two. So one of my favorite, it's Father's Day, right? One of my favorite games to play when our kids were, were really young was peekaboo. Peekaboo is an ingenious game where, where you blow this object permanence challenged mind of a baby to where it's sort of like, peekaboo, here I am. And then, and then I disappear, right? And they're like, oh, you're, you're here, you're here. And then all of a sudden, where'd they go? And then what? You disappeared out of nowhere, right? And then, and then where'd you go? And it's just fun watching little babies' faces as you play peekaboo with them. It makes you feel like, like you're a magician, like appearing out of thin air. But as babies kind of grow, right, they get tired of the game because they're like, hey, I know you're right behind the, the pillow, right? Like they move the pillow, they grab your face, and they just are like, just look at you, right? I think a lot of times we can be like these mind-blown babies playing peekaboo. We, we hear a bit of God's word, and we get really excited, but then we move on to the next thing, and we forget what, that it ever even existed, right? We need to become like those curious toddlers who, as soon as you're like, peekaboo, I'm here, you just grab a hold, and you just gaze in every detail, right? You just, you just search, and and, and you, you take in every detail, like my niece, Jada, she's no longer a toddler, she's middle elementary, but she's always been like this, like whenever I see her, I see her maybe, you know, two times a year or whatever, and we're just, we're just she's awesome, right? And she didn't grab my face, we were just with them a couple of weeks ago down in Moab, and it was funny because we're hanging out as a family, and she's like talking with me, and she just is zeroed in on me, she's dialed in, focused in, and she starts observing things. She goes, Uncle Jason, why do you have a big mole on your neck? Oh, just because I have a mole on my neck. Why is it so big and black? Just because the way it is. Uncle Jason, why is your nose so crooked? Because God made me that way. Come on, Grandma has told you that, right? Like, Grandma, everything is because God made it that way. So I can just invoke Grandma, right? And it's like, oh, Okay. Uh, Uncle Jason, why is your forehead getting so big? You know, so like, really? Come on. Anything else you want to point out about me, Jada? Like she's, she's like going in on all my insecurities, right? But she's just taking in every detail. When it comes to our faith, we need to be more like that, where we really look at who God is, and then we take action on it, right? This morning, we're going to look at how faith obeys. Last week, Drew talked about James 1, 1 through 8 how faith perseveres, putting faith into action in the middle of trials and struggles. This morning, we're going to look at the next section, uh, chapter 1, verses 19 through 25, putting our faith into action in regards to truth. You can read with uh, me along here um, as we read the passage this morning. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God, the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. 
Verses 19 through 21 remind us, number one, to receive God's word humbly. Look at how James contrasts what the natural worldly way is versus the way of Jesus. The natural way is to, I'm very slow to listen. I'm very quick to speak. And my anger is bubbling right below the surface, ready to charge out at any moment, right? That's the natural, sinful, worldly way. I'm talking, talking, talking all the time. I'm not going to listen to you. And if you make me mad, you are going to feel it like that, right? But the way of Jesus, the way that, that the gospel calls us to live out is that we're quick to listen. My natural default is to observe, is to take things in. And I'm not going to just spout off my opinion, my agenda, my everything at the drop of a hat, right? Like I'm going to take things in and then, then I'll speak after I've thought things through. And I'm not going to get angry at every little thing, which sounds better, right? How much trouble would we save ourselves if we would go the Jesus way instead of the natural worldly way? I mean, think about how many times we have not listened quick to speak, and quick to anger. It says that, that um, human anger doesn't produce what God desires in and from us. I was doing a devotional recently that, that compared our anger. When we're acting out of our anger, it's like abandoning our guard post on the city wall. And what happens is that out of just pure, raw anger, emotion, I'm going to lash out. I'm going to go out and chase after this. And what am I doing? I'm abandoning my post on this city wall. And I'm leaving my city that I'm tasked to provide unguarded. And so, yeah, what happens is that they have a raiding party and that makes me so mad. I'm going to come after you. And meanwhile, they come in and ransack my fortress, my city, because I'm out there acting without thinking. That's a beautiful, it's a tragic image of what anger is. Who hasn't been there, right? Who hasn't left our city wide open to attack because we want to justify why we've left our post? I'm really embarrassed. I'm going to share a story that just happened this week, okay? I'm, I'm having a bad day, like really, really bad. It was just, Nicole and I both, we were just sort of like, what else can happen? What else can happen? This is just a complete crap day, right? And I'm bringing, I'm driving home my truck that I have fixed a million times and spent thousands of dollars on, and it's this crappy old truck, and I'm coming back some back roads, and I'm turning onto a, to a road, and there's a, a big semi, and then a little car, and then there's the big gap, and there's the truck way back there, and oh, easily, I'll turn in right here, right? And I turn in behind the car, and I'm right behind the car who's right behind the semi, and this truck just comes flying right onto my tailgate, and honking, and swerving, and gesturing unnice and unfriendly things at me, and I can just hear him like, rah, 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 like that, and he is just right on my tail, and I'm like, I didn't even come close to cutting him off. I don't know what he's thinking, but he must have been having a worse day than me, right? And so he's, he's you know, just all swerving all over, kind of like, and he's just, you know, like that. And so the semi turns off, the car turns off, and all of a sudden he just comes flying by me. He stops right by me, starts gesturing things at me, and I was kind of like, what? And then he just like, ah, like that. And then he just cuts in like that and just 
So me being the Christ follower that I am, I just, I just prayed for him. I pulled over and I prayed for him and, and just, dear Lord, I don't know. No, I abandoned my fortress. I pursued that dummy and I get right on. I mean, I just replaced the transmission on this truck. Let's, boom, let's see what it'll do. It worked. I caught right up on him. And I'm right behind there. And he's like, yeah, you know, like that. And I, I didn't gesture or anything. I just, 10 and 2. I'm going to follow this guy. I'm going to find out where he stops. And I'm just going to say, hey, what did I do? I mean, I have it all mapped out because I'm justified. I didn't do anything wrong. And so I follow him. And then, and then he starts going and, and we kind of loses me in traffic. And I was like, where'd he go? Where'd he go? Ah, oh, there he is. And then I pull up and I keep on going. I follow him for a couple miles. And I pull up next to him at a stoplight. This dummy is driving a company truck. So I take out a picture and I take a picture of the, of the company logo. I let him drive forward. I get a picture of his license plate. And I was like, I'm going to call this company and I'm going to, you that. The spirit still resides in me. Thank you, Jesus. Because I started thinking, then what? Then what am I going to do? If all of a sudden he stops, pulls over and, and gets out of his truck, what am I going to do? Like, what am I going to do? Like, like, am I going to call and I'm going to like report his rude behavior and blah, blah, blah. And I realized I'm a stupid idiot that just abandoned my post. And I was telling somebody this story out there, like, please tell me you were in the church van. Please tell me you were in the church van. <laughs> it's like mercifully, no, but still my truck is pretty recognizable because a very, very unique pattern of, of, automobile paint baldness going on on top right there, right? Like it's very distinct truck. But I was so embarrassed. I was like, God, why, why was I so angry? Like, just because I'm having a bad day and he's having a bad day, why do I have to, you know, go after him now? Because it made me feel better in the moment. But what if all of a sudden I would have hurt somebody? And what really made me mad is that I'm like, dude, you're road raging. You know what just happened a couple weeks ago here because some dummy was road raging? Killed somebody. And I take that to heart. And so I could justify that. But still, I was abandoning the post because I was, I didn't, I didn't listen. I didn't know what was going on to him. I mean, I would have listened to him for a little bit probably, right? But I was quick to anger. James says, Get rid of all filth and evil. That Greek word for get rid literally means to cast off, to throw away, to set aside. It's not just like take it off. It's kind of like when you get home at the end of a day, I don't know if you've ever worked outside in dirt or oil or grease or chemicals or anything like that. Uh, and you just, it's like, blech, it's just gross. You just throw it away, Right. And that's what he wants us to do. He wants to throw aside, to cast off, to get rid of that yucky, nasty, filthy clothes of evilness. And instead, he wants us to humbly accept God's word. How often do we come to church? How often do we pick up the Bible? How often do we listen to a devotional with our defenses up? How often do we let our yucky, dirty, filthy clothes Keep us from encountering the goodness of God because, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Don't talk to me about that, God, right? 
How often do we practice selective listening? And we listen only to things that support what we already believe and think. The patterns, our agendas, our politics, our, our whatever. How often do we approach and cherry pick? Okay, that works. I can take that. That doesn't resonate with what I already think. I'm, I'm going to rip that page out of the Bible because I don't believe it, right? And instead of wrestling with that tension, how often do we just practice selective listening? How often do we approach things and, and we do devotions or listen to a message and the whole time, oh, I hope someone's, I'm going to forward this to them and I, they'd better listen to this and they're doing this and they're doing, and we're so focused on somebody else that, that as we're like, hey, <laughs> knocking on your window, buddy, like I'm talking to you, Right? Where are our hearts? Are we, are we stuck? Are we limiting what God can do? Or are we humbly casting off our evilness, our desires, our sinfulness, and saying, here I am, God, search me and know me. If there's any offensive way in me, please reveal it to me, right? But God, if you could do it before I chase this guy for a couple miles, that would even be better, right? <laughs> James says that God plants his word in our hearts. He's pulling from some language from the uh, Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 24 through 27. It says, For I will gather you up from all the nations and bring you home again to your land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. He's talking about a heart transplant, like a literal heart transplant. Old stone, dead heart, gone. I'm going to take that. It's just a dead weight to you anyhow. And I'm going to replace it with a responsive, tender, living heart. God gives us his word and his spirit. He plants that inside of us. And guess what? That is not a seed that lays dormant. It is a seed that is busting to grow and expand. Faith like a mustard seed, right? And to take over our entire being and to bear fruit. Are we receiving that gift of God's word and his spirit with humility and anticipation? The second thing, verses 20 through, 22 through 25, they, they, these verses call us to remember God's word constantly. I like how in verse 23, it says not to glance or look at a mirror and then look away only to forget what you look at, right? The word here, look, is kanaeo. And it means to simply see, like I see you and then boom, and then I forget, you know, are those flamingos or watermelons on, on Colby's shirt? I don't know because I saw it and I don't know. Now everybody's looking, right? Anya. But that's the thing is that he says, don't just read or hear God's word and then look away and forget what it said. Say, oh, that's really nice. That's great that I should forward that and blah, blah, blah. And then, and then we're done. Continue on as life as normal. James is appealing to the Jewish history, the Jewish identity, where in the Old Testament, we see these cycles of God providing and drawing people to himself and then the people forgetting. Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 through 9, 8, 11 through 18. It's kind of a longer section, but it's so good. Let's dive into this really quick. 
It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them on your heads and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Why? Why is he so insistent on this? He says, because when you've eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Um, but that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty, you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I'm giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was so hot and dry. He gave you water for, from the rock. He fed, you what, uh, he fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did all this so that you would never say to yourself, I achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember that the Lord your God, remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. This is a pattern we see all the time, right? Like when life is good, we forget about God. Look at what I did. Look at what I did. Look at what I did. And what, what um, the writer of Deuteronomy is saying, what James is also saying is never forget when times are good, who got you there? When times are bad, what he just said last week in the first part of chapter one, when times are bad, don't forget God isn't abandoning you. He can do good things through bad things, right? He can work through the good and the bad. God is the one who brings life. We can never forget about that. So with that in mind, then in verse 25, back, uh, back to the uh, James verse, it says not to look, glance, kaneu, but to look carefully. It's a different word. Look in the first part is glance and just simply see. But in verse 25, it's paracupto. Uh, and it literally means to look. It means to stoop your head, to stoop your back, to, to get down on something's level, to truly see it to observe it, to watch it, to take in every detail, to become familiar with, to study. He says, don't just look at God's word, look at it, right? Study it, stoop yourself down, become fully acquainted. It's kind of like today, if we go out and we look and we see Mount Timpanogos and say, wow, pretty mountains. Okay, where are we doing lunch? That is the, the first look, that he, the continuo. 
But what, what God is calling us to do is paracupto, where it's kind of like, oh, those mountains are beautiful. Okay, we're going for a hike. I'm going to go explore every canyon, every stream, every rock, every tree, every flower, every piece of, because I can't get enough of it. I'm going to go explore and get lost in it. And I might come out someday. We'll see. But I'm going to go have some fun getting lost in there because I love it. That's the image that James wants us to have when he says, when, when you dig into God's word, get lost in it. Dig so deep that, that you're like, whoa. Let's have our minds blown by the goodness of God. And then it's this weird how 25 ends. I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't like the New Living Translations version of it. I, 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 there's, because it says, if you do these things, then God will bless you. But if you go back and if you do a literal translation from the Greek, it reads this literally. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. That is the literal translation from Greek. It is so much better because, well, if you do these things, God's going to bless you. Well, then what's the alternative? If, if God's not blessing me, well, I must not be doing something right, right? No, this is, sim- this is not a legalistic try to earn and approve, you know, God's approval. It's just saying it's common sense. It's actions and consequences. If we live according to God's will, things will work. Doesn't mean that we won't have struggles and trials and obstacles and hurdles it's not saying that. If, if you ever hear a teacher, preacher, church, worship leader, anybody saying, hey, if things are bad in your life, you must be doing something wrong. Well, that sometimes we are self-inflicted stupid wounds, right? We get that. That's just also common sense. But we also can't say, well, God doesn't love me because I messed up. Yes, he does. He loves you just as much as not more in your mess. And what we need to do is we need to say, hey, even in the rough times, where is God in this? But the more obedient we are, the more we live according to his design, things are going to fall into place. And then when hard times come, it's not, well, where are you, God? It's kind of like, oh, God, thank you that in the middle of reality, you were right there with me. We don't have to go through those things alone. We're not abandoned. God isn't negligent at his duties, right? says, if we do these things, we'll be blessed in what we do. And then the last part is that this section challenges us to obey God's word wholeheartedly. To accept something means that we put our faith in it. To put our faith in something means that we take action. It's kind of like a couple weeks ago, right? Like, like if we really truly have faith in something, we're going to take action on it. And if we don't take action on it, it means we probably don't have faith in it. So let's reverse engineer that, right? If we never take action, it probably means that we don't have faith. And if we don't have faith, it means we probably never accepted it. That's why our whole thing of moving from unbelief to belief in every area of our lives is so huge, right? Because we have to look at our lives in an entirety and say, where am I stuck in patterns of unbelief or wrong belief? Jesus doesn't call us to be willing to obey. Oh yeah, that's, <laughs> I get on these rants, right? I'm a curmudgeon old man sometimes. It just comes out, it's sort of like, 
what was the song here? I can be your hero, baby. You know, it's like all that. And, and, and talking about like laying down his life. So like, really, really, would you, would you though? You know, and then there's other song, I would take a bullet for you and, and all these things like that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're, no, <laughs> you would not. Come on. You can say those things. Oh, I'd be willing to die for you, baby. And then as soon as something, oh, okay, peace, I'm out, right? God doesn't call us to be willing to. He calls us to do. As the great philosopher Yoda once said, do or do not, there is no try, right? I think there's some good truth to that. It's easy to be comfortable with the idea of something, but when it actually comes to the rubber hitting the road, we're kind of like, peace out. A good example of that is that when, when, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whoever, you know, Jesus loves me just the way I am. He accepts me just the way I am. Awesome. You know what? That's true. But that's only half of it. I always say that Jesus loves me just the way I am, but he loves me too much to leave me that way. And that is real love. He loves me in my brokenness, in my sinfulness, in my dirtiness, in my addiction, in my rebelliousness, in my just all those different things. He truly loves me. He gets his hands and his feet dirty in my muck. But what's the most loving thing to do? To say, okay, now we're just keep on hanging out here, Jason. You're going to keep on making the same stupid mistakes over and over and again. No, that's not a loving thing to do. The most loving thing to do is say, let's do something about this, querying. Let's, let's, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you out of this. I, I've already paid the price for this. And so just walk in this new identity, walk in this freedom, walk in this trans, transformation, walk in this, walk in this freedom. That is really loving. If I'm stuck in addiction, in self-destructive behaviors and other destructive behaviors and brokenness, the most loving thing for him to do is to meet us where we're at, but to not leave us there. And that's where things start getting awkward because we all want to be told you're okay just the way you are. Well, that's not, God loves us just the way we are, but he wants to bring transformation and healing and freedom and forgiveness. We have to humbly receive that. We have to constantly remember that. And then we need to take action on it. We need to obey that. That's why God plants his word and his spirit inside of us. Because it's not our own effort. It's not our own will. It's not our own discipline. It is allowing God's spirit, his word to blossom in our lives and to bring healing and purpose and direction and mission and all those things to spread and to bear fruit. David Platt talks about a book that uh, three Christian pastors from China, they, they talk about how the Chinese government, they will allow Christian believers, allow them as long as they're, okay, I'm a believer. Okay, what are you doing? Okay, that's it. You're a believer. Okay, that's it. But they're trying fiercely to eradicate any disciples because disciples are dangerous because disciples literally believe what Jesus said and they literally do what he says to do. That's dangerous. 
Now, here's the thing is I don't, I, I think that if we're a believer, we're a disciple, right? I know some people try to make that, well, I believe in Jesus. I'm just not, like, I don't get how we can make that distinction. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, if you believe in Jesus, if you really believe in who Jesus is, you're going to take him at his word and we're going to do what he says. We are all disciples. Guess what? Discipleship is dangerous. It's going to mess stuff up because Satan, the world does not want their kingdom, their order, their rule to be disrupted. That's who we are. That's our identity as disciples. It's to allow God's word, his spirit to work in and through us. So let's not just be hearers, let's be doers. Let's have a faith that obeys. That word obey, I want to say it a couple more, obey. We hate it. We hate it because a lot of times it's, it's associated with abuse or dominance or, ooh, obey. Oh, oh, that's such a, we need to reclaim that word and bring healing to that word because too many too many uh, pastors, too many leaders, too many teachers have used that in an abusive way, but that's not what God was intending. He means obey means literally to take it at face value and to put it into action. It's action. Obedience is faith and action. So let's not just be hearers, let's be doers. Let's have a faith that obeys. Let's live out our faith every day in humble, consistent ways. Let's soak up God's word. Let's allow it to define us, to direct us in our daily lives. Let's not be like infants that are kind of like, whoa, that was a great verse. That was a great song, whatever. And then keep on going with life as normal. Let's not play peekaboo with God. Let's relentlessly, insistently encounter God with a curious childlike heart where we take in every detail of his word and who he is and allow allow him to become our all. So this week, my challenge for us is to dig into God's word. I know summer's busy. I know we're traveling. I know we have work and all those things like that. But this week, just be intentional. Maybe for, for some of us, we're like, we're doing that all the time. If we're already in God's word, check our hearts. Check our hearts to see if we're just glancing in the mirror and just doing the look, or are we really stooping over and allowing God to surprise us with who he is and what he has for us? Or if we're not, if if we haven't done that in a long time or it's hard for us or whatever, just start somewhere. The, 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 the YouVersion Bible app has some incredible devotionals. You can just search up whatever you want on there and some great devotionals. Um, you can get a copy of New Morning Mercies, or you know what? You can pick up your Bible and just start reading. That's pretty good too, right? Start with the Gospel of John. Start, read, read James. Like, just start reading something and just read till, till like, read a chapter, read a couple verses, whatever, but then let's take action. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for how you draw us to yourself. God, we thank you that you don't call us just to agree with something in our heads, but then just to continue life as normal. God, you seek to change us. God, you seek to to set us free. 
God, we live in a world that desperately needs you. And so God, just help us to be your hands, your feet, to be your light, to share your light. God, I pray that, that every, every day we would stop, we would slow down to soak up your word, to bow our heads, to stoop our, our backs, our, lower our shoulders over your word and to take that in. God, I pray that, that we could be a people that are defined by your word, by your spirit that you've planted, that you've hidden in our hearts. And God, that, that can, we can see the fruit growing out of that. God, I thank you for each one here today. I pray that we would just be able to go from here changed, encouraged, challenged, whatever we need, God. I pray that you would just meet us and just work in and through us. We praise you in your name. Amen. Amen.